3: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Todorovic. I'm a Senior Lecturer of Anatomy and Physiology at Griffith University here in sunny Queensland, Australia, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matthew Lorraine Franklin-Barton. How are you, Matty? I'm well, thank you. And today is a special episode because we've got a special guest. Two Matts. Two Matts today. And our special guest, let me read you a little bit about the special guest, and I'll get him to talk about himself a little bit as well. But his name is Matt Donnelly, and he began his magic career on a dare. So we've got a magician here. Now, while working as a comedy writer for Alison Hannigan on Penn & Teller's Fool Us... Penn Jillette, I'm sure everyone knows who Penn Jillette is, challenged Matt to learn magic and it's changed his life forever. Matt created the Mind Noodler and now years later Matt has toured the US and Canada in theatre and comedy clubs performing with Piff the Magic Dragon, Matt King and even Penn and Teller themselves. The Las Vegas Review Journal recently called him Las Vegas' brightest up-and-coming magician. Now when he's not performing magic, he puts out two episodes a week of a lovable insane nonsense and this is my Favourite comedy podcast, I have to admit. And Lovable Insane Nonsense actually summarises it beautifully. Uh, It's the best comedy podcast and RAM award-winning podcast, Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. We are joined by Matt Donnelly. Welcome, Matt.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me uh, on your podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Um, You know, I was saying to you earlier that usually our guests... Are medicos? They
3: are content experts in whatever we may be talking but about. But are the they time. hunks, though? I mean, are, there, are your <laughs>
2: listeners aware that you're two very good-looking gentlemen? Like, do you do you have like a, a looks bar
0: that you have for a your look, guests as if, well, or just a medical expertise? I think um, right now we've you've set the standard. <laughs> Um, we're, we're, look,
3: we're looking at the biggest babe we've had on Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast in a very long oh, time.
2: I feel sorry for the rest of your guests.
3: <laughs> and in saying that, may, maybe you are a content expert because what we're talking about today is alcohol. So
2: Oh good, you fit this that was the bill. one for me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought alcohol and I thought Matt Donnelly, so luckily we got you in.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I've only got to visit uh, Sydney, Australia once in my life, but, uh, boy, was I out of my depth. Can, can the casual Aussie can throw down think if you, like, like no other.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think we'll yeah, get yeah. to that point soon because uh, we'll be talking about some alcohol stats and we'll compare our nations. We'll have a bit of a, a, dr- a drink <laughs> off.
2: Good As you know, as an American, we hate losing anything, but I I think (laughs) I know where this is going.
3: (laughs) So I'd like to start the podcast by quoting somebody, quoting somebody famous actually, uh, Homer. Okay. Uh, Not Homer who wrote the Odyssey, but Homer Simpson. And he said, to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. And Uh, I think that summarizes it beautifully.
2: (laughs) I don't know if truer words have ever been spoken. I mean, you Uh, can,
3: I think when we think of alcohol... It is obviously the cause of a lot of pain, a lot of misery and a lot of death in all honesty. But it's also the reason why we have cities today and why we've been able to survive as a community in large groups is because alcohol was required in order for us to drink potable water. So it's this strange relationship we've had with alcohol. Um, Do you think your relationship with alcohol, Matt, has been strange or has it been a, a, a nice one?
2: Oh, uh, it's 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 been uh, it's been fluctuating. I guess is really, I think I, in terms of now, I think I have a pretty good relationship with alcohol for sure.
3: I think we all uh, go through that, right? We go through the phase where we haven't had it for a very long time, and then we may have a little bit too well, much. It's of it. the first
2: thing you test your limits with, right? It's the first thing that you like, hey, I I got away from my parents' eye, and now I can really try to figure out what this body and brain can handle. Let's <laughs> let's. let's Test away. Let's be men of science with alcohol.
3: That's right. you're doing your own experiments here.
2: Yeah, I think that's <laughs> the case for sure. So I think. So what, I, sorry, go on. Yeah, I would say. So uh, yeah, my personal issue with alcohol is that, like in high school, uh, I don't know what how you guys call schools. in. yeah, high school.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, so in high school, I actually didn't drink a lot. I found that people uh, were really weird about drinking in high school, and so I started doing comedy in high school, and I actually started doing this comedy show. I was like the first kid who wasn't 18 to get into this improv comedy show on the weekends every Friday and Saturday. And I I saw that show and I was like, oh, I don't want to party at all in high school. I want to do this. And so I actually spent high school not drinking but performing every Friday and Saturday night. So that was your drug, um, drug of choice. Weekends. Exactly, yeah. I, I traded in alcohol for attention. And, <laughs> um, uh, and then college, I was like, I should catch up with all my high school friends. and uh, Really spent my first semester... I remember going to this party In a and uh, uh, it was like a, a recruiting party for a fraternity. So before you try to figure out if you can get people to do dumb things to initiate their way into fraternities, you have these large parties that everyone can go to to show that you're the coolest fraternity.
3: So we don't and
0: have, so have frats at here. Like, you don't have frats here? No, we don't. To have, a very have frat-
1: minor extent, I think some universities do. Really? But not to the scale of America.
0: Oh, not even close.
2: Uh, yeah, not even close. And I would, I wouldn't bother. I, I, I skipped that whole thing as well. But I went to this party by this fraternity trying to recruit people or whatever. And so they threw this giant warehouse party and there was like thousands of people there. And then, uh, it's like my first, I was 18 years old. It was like my first big college party. And the next few days walking around college campus, people were like, Oh, you were the drunk guy from the party last night. <laughs> and I was like, I was the drunk guy from the huge <laughs> warehouse party. Like I was the one who was like, oh boy. So I did not uh, handle myself well that night. But uh, Did you become yeah.
1: the president of the frat house as a result? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was just,
2: I guess, a, a mess. Uh, a real mess.
3: <laughs> so do you think the mix of alcohol and your love of performing alcohol exaggerated that?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely in college. Yeah. My need for attention went way up with alcohol <laughs> in my system, for sure.
3: I think when you get, get into get into college, um, we all need attention in one way or another. And alcohol is that lubricant, I suppose. And it's probably been that lubricant since time immemorial.
2: Yeah. My brother had a great quote about going to college. Where he just was like, you go to college, yes, find your major, find your way into your life. Yeah, 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 do that. But like you go to college because you'd be an asshole if you enter the real world at 18
3: it's so true <laughs> you
2: know like just go somewhere else to incubate your experiment with yourself just go anywhere else to maybe flex a little bit more to see who you are a little bit more and then try the real world out oh and absolutely I, I think that was probably smart thinking
3: uh, uh, yeah no one is ready for an 18 year old dr mike it wasn't dr <laughs> mike then
2: but no if i i tried it i tried to produce my own tv show and everything at, at 18 and failed and uh uh if I did,
1: I, I'd i be one of the biggest pricks around right now.
3: I just know it. <laughs> yeah, imagine what? that getting your own TV it. show as an 18 year old. Well,
1: thank goodness Mike hasn't actually left university. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: actually a good point. <laughs> I've been Van Wilder for 20 odd years now. So he hasn't been in the. Because we you were,
2: teach at a college, right?
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're at Griffith University in Australia. So we're in Queensland. Um, and mm-hmm. probably, you know, there's not a lot of universities in Queensland, probably like three or four major universities here. And we're one of those. Um, And Matt and I both teach anatomy and physiology here. And so I basically, and probably similar to Matt, however Matt was down in Sydney, went from doing our undergraduate degree to doing a postgraduate degree to doing a PhD, teaching that whole time and then getting a position within the university, becoming faculty.
2: you just never got out. That's no. right you're there the whole time.
3: I'm stuck. and if I were to leave the university, I've got no transferable skills. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know what I could possibly do. I, I need this job. I'm not going to tell my higher ups, but I need this. <laughs>
1: well,
2: thank goodness, yeah. And, and uh, interestingly,
3: Mike's um, from Brisbane,
1: which we call uh, Bris Vegas, which is good point. Oh the American equivalent where, where you're from Matt.
2: Yeah, 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 that's right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about the power of alcohol. Living in Las Vegas is, is that uh, I always say people come here not to be the worst versions of themselves, but people come here to try out being the worst versions <laughs> of themselves. It's worth noting that amateur effort. It's really <laughs> worth noting that like the really no bearings as to how this is actually going to work or fly. It's really important to understand people's behavior when they come to Las Vegas. Uh,
3: we've, well, we've got the Gold Coast, which is probably a, a, a diluted version of yeah. Las Vegas. Yes. Because yeah.
2: we have a casino named after the Gold Coast. I've heard of the Gold Coast. Oh, there you go.
3: <laughs> I didn't realize that. Perfect. So I think let's get started with what alcohol actually is. So we've spoken about alcohol colloquially as what's been in that drink, you know, whether it be beer, wine, spirits, whatever it may be. But alcohol has actually, you know, there's a couple of different types of alcohol. There's isopropyl alcohol, there's methanol, there's ethanol. And the one that we drink, well, hopefully (laughs) that people are drinking is the ethanol. Um, Methanol is toxic in small doses. So, only takes two or three teaspoons to actually have some pretty nasty effects for you with methanol. Then you're blind. It will make you blind, but Literally. just by the way that it yeah, it gets you blind physiologically and metaphorically. Um, and isopropyl alcohol takes a little bit more to really knock you down, but still toxic. I mean, everything's toxic. It's all is just that about the doses. common
1: ingredient in all the hand sanitizers we've been using for the last. 14 months?
3: Yeah, isopropyl alcohol. And what you'll probably find, I don't know if you found this over there, Maddie. obviously you've got, you know, everyone's got the hand pumps of of um, disinfectant yeah. everywhere. Have you had any that smells a bit like rum?
2: Uh, yes, actually. Um, we bought uh, one from this like company that was like, uh, they do like a really great thing of putting like the less fortunate people to work or people with certain disabilities and that kind of stuff. And physical disabilities to work. And there was, they, right at the top of the Pandemic decided they would sell big, big jugs of hand sanitizer that you could buy. And uh, we had it at the well, our recording studio, the churn in Las Vegas. And it drives Paul crazy because when anyone uses it, it smells like a bad, like pina colada or something. In it the room. does. That's exactly it smells what it like, is. It's
0: just what this stinks. So
2: yeah, I'm familiar.
0: <laughs> I've got one right outside my
3: office and I hate it as well because if when the students walk past and use it, it's just, it just wafts into my office. But it's, yeah, because when, Alcohol is fermented and produced. You've got a whole bunch of byproducts and you can take methanol as a byproduct, ethanol, isopropyl alcohol. And so these can be obviously distributed and used in various different ways. Ethanol is obviously the one that we're going to drink, isopropyl, cleaning our hands. And methanol is also used as a solvent to be able to wash things away um, so, they've all got different uses, but today we're going to really focus on ethanol itself because when we ingest ethanol, if the listeners, and I'll probably say statistically, many of the listeners have had alcohol. I mean, statistically, 40% of Australians over 14 have one standard drink per week. So, that's quite a bit, especially over the age of 14. Dr- drinking legal age here is 18. 21 over there, right, Matt?
2: Yeah, 21 over here, yeah. So, you you can you can... Fight and kill for the country at 18, but don't get drunk till you're 21.
3: (laughs) Never thought of it like that. I think we can join the army at 18. I think we can join younger. Maybe 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when we uh, look at alcohol, when it's ingested, it obviously has a whole range of psychoactive effects. So these effects can be, you know, happiness, euphoria, sedation, anesthesia. It can be pro-anxiety or anti-anxiety depending on the timing of it and depending on the individual. And so it's probably one of the reasons why we ingested it. And for millions of years we've seen animals ingesting fruit that have fallen from the trees and have fermented on the floor and we see them in that sedated, euphoric kind of state. And so that's probably where it began where we just saw an animal eating an old rotting bit of guava on the ground (laughs) and then we decided to give it a go and then we thought – I want to feel ourselves. like that. Yes, I want to
2: feel like that. I want to feel like that drooling saber-toothed tiger over there. <laughs> how do I do that?
3: And we haven't stopped.
1: There was actually a situation I think in 2017 where a whole lot of birds in LA were just smashing into buildings and gates and fences and so forth, and they, uh, you know, like hundreds of them, and they did an autopsy on a few of them and found that they were completely blind, drunk, um, with overripe berries. And so when they, oh, wow. did, when they did like a liver analysis, they found that it was like one part per thousand ethanol in their liver.
3: So they were proper pissed.
1: Yeah, and they wow. couldn't, couldn't fly
2: straight. And that's out. when LA launched that Uber for birds program. Right? <laughs> you could, don't, don't fly home. Eating berries, don't fly home
1: alone. Never no, took off the ground. It was, Uber.
3: <laughs> it was a good campaign. Um, so I think alcohol isn't – so ethanol isn't just necessarily used – as a drink or at least within drinks it's also used as an antiseptic itself uh, as an antidote so it's sometimes used as, as an antidote to methanol poisoning um, and is used as a medicinal solvent so it means it, it dissolves a whole bunch of stuff which is great it's used for as a combustible fuel so ethanol is used for a whole antiseptic? bunch of things antiseptic yeah so we'll, we're pr- predominantly going to focus on its use within drinking because obviously that's Relatively ubiquitous, uh, its use within alcohol or as in alcohol, the drink and
1: the name of alcohol itself is an Arabic term. Al means the coal uh, is a a paint, and which you would have seen Cleopatra use on her eyes. So that's like a eye shadow paint, and that in Arabic is called coal. But the way that they extract that from the stone is they need to use alcohol, and so it became associated with that actually word. So alcohol. As the name itself was first used in the 16th century in conjunction with the eyeliner.
3: So, what was it called before that?
1: Oh, it probably just named according to its drink. So, like beer or wine or ale or. But as a chemical name, yeah. it wasn't termed alcohol until, I guess, from well, the For Arabic me
2: point. personally, I've never worn eyeshadow unless <laughs> I've consumed alcohol. So, <laughs> it's good to know I was paying proper tribute to Cleopatra. <laughs>
1: We'll update
3: Wikipedia with that. Yeah, we'll update your IMDb (laughs) with that one. Thank you. Um, So I think when we look at alcohol throughout history, like we've said, it's been drunk for many, many years and it's not just for that the effects that it may have neurologically or even psychologically, but also because it was one of the only ways we could ingest potable water. So you'd have big communities, large groups of people living together, and it was very difficult to have water that wasn't contaminated by bacteria or some sort of pathogen that may get you sick or even kill you. Now, we didn't know back then about pathogens or... But we knew that if we drank from a particular water source, we'd get quite sick. But when you start to ferment, and we'll talk about this process in a sec, where you can take sugars and you take a certain type of bacteria or yeast, they will produce as a byproduct ethanol. And that ethanol is actually antimicrobial. And so it's really good at killing off other bacteria. And you don't even need a lot of it to kill it off. So a lot of the drinks hundreds, thousands of years ago within large communities were alcoholic to some degree even the kids even you know seven eight nine-year-olds were drinking alcohol but this sort of probably ale that they were drinking was probably only between two to i mean probably like a, a mid-strength beer oh, not in that probably a little yeah, bit so less than strength
2: so if you're one of the 60 percent of australians 15 and under who still haven't drank you know oh. you want to uh you want to want start slow, is what you're saying. You yeah. start with small amounts, is what you're saying.
3: And that's your excuse. You're just saying I'm just there's no potable <laughs> water in the environment. I need something. I'm worried about microbes, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. There's a little Louis Pasteur just growing. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why. And so that's the you know the history of alcohol and why it's sort of come to be. But now, as we know, there's many different types of alcoholic beverages that are out there. And you've worked as a bartender before, Matt. So you'd be aware of many different types of alcohols. Uh, Oh, for sure. So I think Matt's got a little quiz for you where he's got... um, So we're going to talk about the process of producing alcohol, but...
1: So one one quick step is uh, alcohol or ethanol itself is produced through a fermentation process, which usually needs a sugar... And then, in conjunction with yeast, which is the microorganism, it has to be kind of without air. So, usually, it's fermenting or producing its energy with this type of sugar, but it's inside a liquid. So, it hasn't got exposure to air. And as a byproduct, it produces the ethanol. So, for humans, when we produce our energy, we have hopefully oxygen to make our ATP. But for these guys, they're without alcohol. Now, occasionally for humans, we may be in a situation where we need to produce energy without or very minimal air. You know, when we exercise. But our byproduct of uh, fermentation is we produce lactate, or it used to be called lactic acid, but I think that's incorrect now, right?
3: Yeah, there's no evidence. Oh, that really? lactic, yeah, yeah, there's no evidence that lactic acid actually exists. Um, we've just been using that uh. to, because when you uh, so, the term "acid" means it releases a hydrogen ion, and that 's what that 's what 's the damaging component of of acids but there's, so th- there 's always been the assumption that there 's been some chemical that releases these hydrogen ions that gives you that muscle soreness and muscle pain but we 've never actually been able to measure that product before or that lactic acid so what we now think is that hydrogen is produced through exercise, through some process and then this other thing comes in called lactate which tries to neutralise it. So, everyone says, oh, lactic acid is, you know, the burn and that's the reason why you get muscle soreness after exercise but in actual fact, it's probably the fact that what's being produced is there to neutralise all the hydrogen that's being made. So, it's stopping you from being in pain. So, it doesn't cause it, it's probably there to buffer it out, make you feel a little bit better.
1: Oh,
2: fascinating. Yeah. So, so.
1: so Therefore, when, when, we, when we exercise and we start to run low in oxygen, we produce lactate. But if we were yeast, we would pre- produce an ethanol and as we are running, we would be getting drunk. Mm. Which
3: so if we were bacteria, every time we do a 100-metre sprint, we'd be pissed by the end of it.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah.
2: I... I'm for this.
3: <laughs> the only time in your life you've wanted to be
2: a bacteria. Because that's it. So you want me to be a little... If I, my wife wants me to ease up, I can just make... And I will stop exercising.
1: <laughs>
2: I will right. chill out.
1: So basically for this yeast... Actually, I think bacteria, when they ferment, they produce acetic acid, which yeah. is more like vinegar. Yeah. Whereas yeast produces the ethanol. So Matt, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you a whole list of different um, alcoholic beverages and I want you okay. to give me what you think the base product is. So this is the where the sugar comes from, what uh, plant source or fruit source this particular drink gets its energy from. Okay. Okay, so when you hear beer, what is that? Where, yeah. What's the basis of that?
2: Uh, wheat, hops, barley.
1: Yeah, malted grains. So this is kind yeah. of like activated grains um, and then dried out, and then they're put into the fluid... And I think hops just gives its flavor rather than the fermentation part. But I could be wrong with that.
3: Okay. So with hops, so here's an interesting side point. You've heard of Indian pale ale, right, Matt? Absolutely, yeah. So IPA. So the reason why IPA came about was back when the British uh, were, uh, you know. Trading with. Trading with India. Heavily. That's probably a nice way of putting it. Um, It was a six-month journey going from England to India and India was too hot to brew beer. So they're trying to figure out ways to get alcohol from England to India and what one bloke realized is that if you put a lot of hops in it, it takes a long time for that fermentation process to occur and the alcohol doesn't the, the beer doesn't go off. It doesn't. 6 months is actually a good fermentation time. So Indian pale ale came about so that they actually had beer by the time they got to their destination being India and it was actually they realized this actually tastes quite quite good the fermentation process six months kept the elk uh, kept the beer didn't go off and it tasted even better and that's where IPA comes from
2: I'll also tell you a fun fact about IPAs uh, when I was trying to get into bars underage and didn't want to get carded my way of throwing the bartender off my scent was asking for any, if they had any kind of selections of IPAs and that was <laughs> my way of looking like a more sophisticated could, person
3: how could under 21s <laughs> know of an IPA <laughs> Oh, you must be over 21. You could say three letters. I like that though. I like that though because that's sort of that, that's an that's a 18-year-old psychology, isn't it? Totally. I'm going to sound like an adult. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, a few more. Uh, bourbon. All right, let's do it. Bourbon. Bourbon. Uh, that is corn, uh, at least 50% corn. And then, um, very good. It could be a, a couple of other things. It could be like a small percentage of rye, uh, and, uh, and other things like that. Yeah,
1: exactly what? right. So I think they call it a mash, which I guess is just a mixture. But yeah, it has to be at least yeah. 50% corn. And it's flavored through the oak barrel, which apparently has a sit in for at least two years. Um, yeah, yeah. Next one gin.
0: Oh,
2: that's a trickier one. I believe juniper berries, right?
1: That gives its flavor, but it's still okay. the basis of it. Must come from the grains, which is actually distilled. So now he moves on beyond just a uh, fermentation process. Because interestingly, a natural fermentation process, the yeast can only go to a percentage of thirteen percent, and then they'll start dying off themselves. And so, natural fermentation only gets gets to a percentage, and then everything will die in it, and it will stop being any more. The strength will stop.
3: So the distillation makes it more alcoholic. So then
1: we we humans learnt the process of distillation, which is the separation of all the other ingredients, I guess. And that's where it becomes stronger. Mm.
2: That Whoever figured that out, we should be studying them in school as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next one is sake. sake, sake. Yeah.
2: Oh, sake. Uh, I know that it's a type of wine, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, it comes from rice. Yeah. yeah. It's rice.
2: Rice, rice wine. Right. Rice yeah. wine. Yeah. yeah. Rice wine. Okay, that's two it. more. Uh, whiskey. Uh, that's wheat, wheat, and wheat again, right?
1: Yeah, it's a mash, but I think yeah, wheat, possibly barley. Um, what? So, what's the difference between whiskey and Scotch?
3: Scotch is from Scotland.
1: Is there anything they do specific to make it Scotch
2: though? uh, uh the, the type of the type of barrels they age it in, okay. I believe, give it its taste, and they go for. They kind of uh, can have like a peat mossy quality to it or like a sharp taste to it. But yeah, they, they like to get specific tastes out of their from their barrels, I
1: believe. Okay. And then finally, vodka. Potatoes. Yeah. It's still a mash, but a lot more potatoes are in it. Yeah, well done. You You nailed it. You did. Good job. I did,
2: did my best as a bartender to, <laughs> to know some of these things. Well, you've held up. I also am a sucker for going to like tastings and tours and stuff.
3: I used to do that love- a lot yeah I used to go on whiskey tastings as as often as I could until my esophagus decided it could no longer handle it <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually don't drink anymore i well shouldn't say unfortunately it's probably most beneficial to my health but um and all of us and every <laughs> and everyone around me <laughs> <laughs> so I think let's let's talk about so you're talking about the distillation process, so it's probably a good point to bring up what is distilled out yeah right so what we, have you heard of the term congener matt congenas mm
2: mm-hmm. No, no, I dated a congena once, but uh, (laughs) I don't don't know the scientific term.
3: (laughs) That's got to have been in Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) She
2: she drove an IROC Z, no sleeves, we went bowling.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So a congena in, in, in this sense is a byproduct of the fermentation process and probably something that you want to try and get out within the distillation. So that includes things like methanol, acetylaldehyde, uh, acetone, just chemical components. Some may be fine to keep, some probably not so much. And methanol is probably one of the big ones you want to try and get rid of, because uh, if you don't, again, like I said, two to three teaspoons of methanol will be quite toxic to you. Um, and this is this is super important, obviously, because when people brew their own alcohol or create moonshine, for example, they probably don't distill things very well, and this is one of the reasons is why moonshine moonshine distilled or is it just naturally?
1: I guess it has to be because it's pretty strong, right?
3: I've never done it, but if they don't distill <laughs> it properly, you call it something else. If they, if they don't distill it properly, uh, the methanol level can be too high, right? And so, well, also.
2: You bring up a good thing about it the being confusing, right? There are people who are desperate who, um, you know, uh, will try to drink hand sanitizer or drink things with an alcohol content because alcohol is one big word under that umbrella, and so people really mess themselves up. And I knew that I shouldn't drink hand sanitizer, but that's it. I didn't know why until right now. There I just believed the person. <laughs> I, I took them at their word up until this moment.
3: Well, thankfully you didn't do the experiment yourself, because it's probably not yeah. something you want to ingest. So if, if somebody so it's not the, the methanol itself. Methanol can actually be excreted, no problem. But it's what our body metabolizes methanol into. Um, and so that's formaldehyde. And it's the formaldehyde. Which that-
1: we use to preserve tissue like bodies our cadavers are preserved in formaldehyde
3: yeah exactly right so So you don't want that in your body well not in high quantity Mm. i mean you get formaldehyde from eating an apple for example so you know in that quantity it's all good but if you have higher quantities which you'll get from methanol metabolism
2: bad that explains why when i eat an apple i feel dead inside
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's how i feel for most fruit unfortunately and (laughs) so the formaldehyde will turn into formic acid and formic acid is what
0: ants produce. Have you ever squished an ant and smelt, smelt a dead ant before? I've squished or burned with a magnifying glass. Never went to the smelling portion. Oh, okay. That, that could have just been my... Uh, my upbringing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have much to do. Um, <laughs>
3: but the smell that you get when you squish an ant, that's, that's formic acid. Uh. And that's the end product, well, one of the end products of methanol metabolism.
1: So what is this ant doing then?
3: Well, I don't know why. Drunk ants- on methanol. Actually, that's a good question. I should have figured out why why ants have a lot of formic acid. I thought it was part of their process because they can sting, right? And they've got and little they can pincers. S- and- they
1: can see as well, so obviously not, they're not blind.
2: A good
3: point. Man,
1: if ants
2: are drunk, I'd hate to see them sober. <laughs> I mean, look true. how regimented they are when they're <laughs> drunk. That's crazy.
3: That's very true. But they all do just follow each other, don't they? So that's true. It's just the one at the front that needs to be sober. <laughs> That's the that's the designated <laughs> driver back to the ant nest, <laughs> so they just got to follow him. Um, so when you turn or when the body, you know, God forbid, don't drink methanol. But if methanol, so methanol is going to turn into formaldehyde, and the process of this requires an enzyme that our liver produces. Actually, a lot of tissues produce, but the liver produces it the most. Um, and this is uh, a. Uh, Alcohol dehydrogenase, that's the enzyme, turns methanol into formaldehyde. Now, interestingly, when you metabolize ethanol, it turns into acetylaldehyde. So, methanol, formaldehyde, ethanol, acetylaldehyde, and it also uses the enzyme alcohol dehydrogenase. So, the same enzyme. And this is the whole reason why, when somebody has a methanol poisoning, they may give somebody ethanol, because it will competitively inhibit the use of the enzyme because it's using it all to itself and so what ends up happening is the methanol doesn't get converted to the nasty formaldehyde stays as methanol and the kidneys allow you to pee it out so can that's I, how that can works. Can I add
1: something there so there's a hypothesis here on terms of origin of why we as humans may like to produ- or, uh, consume alcohol and it's called the drunken monkey hypothesis. Have you heard of that? It. No, but I'm all ears. (laughs) So it was proposed by Robert Dudley. So what he thought was our early ancestors, we're talking 10 million years ago, um, when we came out of the trees and started to walk on land, um, maybe had a propensity to want to consume, not um, seek it, but have the ability to process alcohol in fermented fruits. So he looked at um, berries, I think it was from the palm fruit, and found uh, if the berries in the tree, it has basically, and it's unripe, has no ethanol, and then as it becomes ripe, super ripe, and then once, once it's on the ground, once it's on the ground, it's got 4.5 percent alcohol on it. And so, wow, the the primates that he looked at didn't really like to eat the the ones on the ground. They preferred the you know the unripe slash ripe ones. But they also found that in um, our ancestors through the um, fossil record, we found that there's a gene for that. Um, Codes for the ADH was which, which alcohol is that, dehydrogenase, and found that it was seems to be uh, forty times more what's overexpressed. Yeah, in our early ancestors, when we started to move on to land, and it was we found in humans it's this particular enzyme is located in the mouth, in the esophagus, and in the stomach. So he proposed that well, if it's in those locations, it must mean that we were eating. Um, Overripe fruit on the ground because we were now on the ground, not up in the trees.
3: And is that to get pissed?
1: No, that's just probably... If you had a whole lot of, you know, uh, fermenting apples and this was your only source of eating food, you would want to have an advantage of you can still eat it without getting sick and or process the alcohol without getting super drunk but also process the alcohol into energy.
3: Yeah, so that's a good point because ethanol has a lot of... Calories, so about seven right. grams uh, sorry about seven calories per gram, which is like the same as fat basically so yeah, that's the great. T- I mean
2: I remember reading a uh, Harari's uh, sapiens book right mm-hmm. they talked about like t- tens of thousands of years ago we we're humans very likely uh, scavengers and yeah. that's why like we have a th- propensity for like marrow and drinking marrow and that kind of thing because we would go last from the big much predators were much bigger than us and we'd wait for them to eat what they're eating. Then we'd come around and get what's left or whatever. That would kind of fit in that profile as well. Like yeah, get yeah. the fruit that's sitting there on the ground. That's it. Uh, from the other people who are more competitive for that for that tree fruit. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and, but- and if you actually look at Mike's diet, it looks he looks like a, a scavenger. It's something you could have a dumpster, really. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I definitely dumpster. What was the first word you used? Yeah. Scavenger. Yeah.
3: Scavenger, dumpster. It's, uh, they've all been, they're, they're all adjectives I've uh, had used to describe uh, exactly how I eat. So that's okay. My wife would agree. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Um, so uh, I think we should talk about absorption. When we drink alcohol, we absorb very small amounts in our mouth. But we actually absorb like 20% of that alcohol in our stomach. We don't really absorb anything else in our stomach. So aspirin maybe, maybe some other medications, but no other foods. We don't absorb like proteins, fats, carbohydrates or anything like that in our stomach. Uh, all that's absorbed in our intestines. But alcohol, 20% Can of it ask is. Can I a question here? Yeah.
1: Um, remember we used to have in mouthwash, yeah. we used to have alcohol in it? Yeah. And then they got rid of it because of oral cancers? Mm-hmm wasn't that because the alcohol was being processed into acetyl aldehyde and, yeah, so and that's a carcinogen? Yeah. So that would then indicate that it is being metabolised in the mouth.
3: Yeah, but very small amounts. Yeah. So the pretty most tissues will have the enzyme um, alcohol dehydrogenase to metabolise it, uh, but obviously most of it's produced in the liver because obviously everything... So everything that we obviously take in or ingest orally gets absorbed in from our intestines into the bloodstream and immediately it goes from the blood to the liver. So everything sort of but fats go basically from straight from the blood to the liver once we've absorbed it. Uh, and that, that includes alcohol. So it goes from the stomach, 20% absorption, then the small intestines, probably around about that 80% absorption. So pretty yeah. much the rest of it. But as we get down, some alcohol is not going to be absorbed. And by the time we get to the large intestines towards the end, that's where all of our bacteria are and that alcohol can damage the bacteria so it can change your gut biota it could change what they produce can cause some inflammation we'll talk a little bit more about that later on but can also just affect that that gut microbiota
2: so sounds super healthy
3: yeah and i think the the the, the final (laughs) point we'll get to with this podcast is probably not probably definitely i mean we know that uh there is not one um there's not an amount of alcohol that's safe to ingest We've always oh, thought so that, that. whole
2: yeah. glass of wine a day, you're okay. a doctor away. That stuff is all, yeah. all kind of colloquial and just pro-business kind of thing.
3: That's right. Exactly. It's there's not one safe bit of alcohol to, to ingest, and that came out in a Lancet uh, 2018. Yeah, it's fairly recent meta-analysis. Um, well done. It, it took millions of people. Um, it
0: reviewed well, so much data. Who, who did that, Who did that study? The Lancet.
3: Well,
2: from my cold, dead hands, Lancet.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's going to change many people's minds. And I hope people realize that the I don't
2: think anyone hears that alcohol is bad for you. It's like,
3: what? Yes, exactly, exactly. No way. I did did an Instagram live with uh, a couple of medicos a couple of days ago. And we were talking about the roles of the liver, what the liver does. And we spoke about alcohol. And a couple of people were getting up in arms- about the fact that we're saying that alcohol isn't good for you and they're saying but there's benefits there's benefits and i just want to highlight in this podcast that we're we're not making any moral judgments here whatsoever we're just talking about the biology we're talking about the health effects of alcohol and we know that there are no health benefits to alcohol
2: so you you got a medical condition where you told you couldn't drink anymore you shouldn't drink anymore specifically for your 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 deal yep did you miss it Or at what point did you stop
3: missing it? I did. Uh, I do. Uh, I I will have a beer every now and then. I might have a beer, maybe one one beer once a week, once every two weeks. Um, But I don't metabolize it very well. So it's not just my esophagus. So here's my my deal. I'll tell you what my deal is. Uh, For about five years, I have been feeling crook after most meals that I've been eating, right? And Uh. I had... What's called? Get Matt's heard this, so he, this is why he's laughing. Um, I don't sh- shut up about it. Gastroesophageal reflux disease, GERD, or gourd in
0: Australia because esophagus starts with an "o" over here. Um, no idea I'm why. With I've you on that, re- Australia. <laughs> with you. Oh, good. I wish we could join you. If a petition comes up in America,
2: I will sign it. I like it. It's a. It's. It feels like it's, it should be an "o" word. I'm yeah, with you.
3: GORD. Gourd sounds right. Uh, so yeah, I've, I, I. I at least had gourd many years and i would take what we call a ppi so a proton pump inhibitor it stops the acid because the biggest issue with reflux is that the acid starts to erode the esophagus and there's no protective mechanism there like there is in the stomach so you stop the production of acid no damage to the esophagus i've been on ppis for three and a bit years um and you know when when a Doctor doesn't know what the cause is for a disease. They use a nice fancy word called idiopathic. So I had idiopathic gourd, meaning we don't know what's causing it.
1: Was the doctor's? That's a disease or the patient?
2: As in he, he, idiopathic.
3: Yeah, he said. I'm, he said you're an idiot and it's idiopathic. And I thought right. fair.
2: You you have idiot dumpsters disease.
3: <laughs> idiot dumpsters disease. Um, get out of my office and stop eating out <laughs> the bin. You make me sick.
0: Thought, Jesus, right.
3: That'll be two hundred dollars. <laughs> so, I I got a colonoscopy, and this was recently. This was like a month ago. I got a got a colonoscopy, and they took a couple of biopsies of my intestines. And the intestines produce the enzymes that break down proteins, fats, and carbs. Right. So, I had a look at those enzymes, and I realised that I am not just lactase deficient, so I can't break down the sugar in milk. That's like two thirds of the population. Not an issue. But I'm sucrase deficient. I can't break down table sugar. I can't break down everyday sugar. So,
0: oh wow, I've it's been
3: so any time over the past five, six, seven years, maybe ten years, close to anytime time I eat chocolate, cakes, lollies, sweets, I um, feel like vomiting. I get proper crook. And wow, and so, but the the biggest so what have you been eating? Just like Whole Foods. I eat really – I eat too well. That's the problem. And I know that sounds silly, but there's times where I feel –
2: Basically, I... the, the, those those enzymes had no use when you change your diet to a more healthy thing and they kind of started dying off. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, so if I eat really um, carbohydrate-dense foods, that breaks down into sucrose and I need the enzyme sucrase to do it. So even if I eat a lot of potato chips or anything like that
1: – Maybe you should just colonize yourself with yeast and you can just produce – Ethanol,
3: yeah. Vodka. So just get them to do it, hijack yeah, exactly. their ability to do it. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, long story short, can't can't digest sugars basically. So that's a lot of I'm fun. I'm
2: curious about this because I like I will basically have a, a, a bourbon on the rocks is basically I'll have that like once once a week or twice a week is kind of my drink. I used to be able to drink like six Guinness yeah. at a time. I used to be able to drink back of that or six pack of beer, no problem. Now there's no way I could drink more than two beers. I'm I'm the same. If I, I have, yeah. If I have a second beer, I'm literally just like done. I cannot put anything else into my system. I'm just done, and I never knew why? why or even talked about it.
3: And and I think part of that has to weird. do with so when when we age, and I'm sorry to say this, Maddie, but we're we're aging. How dare you? Um, How dare you? <laughs> we we have this. Uh, so our tolerance for things just tend to go down. It's like, it's like a glass of water, right? So the older you get, the more full that glass gets and then it doesn't take much for it to spill over and that's for many different things. It's it's called our physiological reserve. So our physiological reserve diminishes and for me and you, by the sounds of it, that includes alcohol. Um, I can't have more than two beers either, otherwise I'm done in. One beer, feel good. Two beers, nope. You, you're out. Yeah. You've got to tap out. Um, and so ethanol is... Uh, and the other thing is that Alcohol is something that uh, people—it's like a working muscle. In the more alcohol you have, the better you are at metabolizing it. Doesn't mean you're going to be um, bodybuilders healthier doing that, but the better you are at metabolizing it. So, uh, the the enzyme alcohol dehydrogenase—you can change the levels of through drinking so it's not just set at a level so the more you drink the higher your liver expresses alcohol dehydrogenase but it's not necessarily that's the issue the ethanol directly can lead to inflammation of of the stomach and that's called gastritis inflammation of the intestines uh, that can be colitis uh, and and damaging the the gut flora and so forth so Look, it's a godsend, probably the the fact that you and I can't drink more than more than two
0: drinks at a time because my children think so. My children <laughs> are happy when I drink less. <laughs>
3: see, exactly. My wife's happy when I drink less too. <laughs> so, um, it's uh, you know I've got to see it as a godsend. But anyway, that that was a hell of a digression. Sure was. Um, well, I usually do that. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, now I
1: think
0: that's well, we're just sort of, I think we're, we're in the realm of fascination of alcohol. The that's bottom, true, I think, right? I think we're I think we're under the umbrella. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. So metabolizing it, we
3: turn alco- uh, ethanol into acetyl aldehyde, and then we turn acetyl into acetyl-CoA. And acetyl-CoA... And this is all in the liver? This is all in the liver. It can happen in other tissues, but primarily happens in the liver. Because like I said, 20% absorbed from the stomach into the blood, 80% from the intestines in the blood. All of that goes to the liver. The liver goes, goody, goody, goody. I'm going to turn the ethanol into acetyl aldehyde. And then from there into acetyl-CoA. Now, these might sound like just, you know, these strange molecular terms, but in biology, acetyl-CoA is a really important building block to make energy. And so anytime you use glucose or sugar for energy, acetyl-CoA. Fats, fatty acids, acetyl-CoA. It's sort of like all roads lead to Rome in a way with acetyl-CoA. Um, okay. Even there We to, like,
2: encourage that aspect of your liver or just
3: hope it's there? Uh, it, it, will, it will be there acetyl Acetaldehyde is a requirement for for life. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, but I, but I think there is a drug that they they do prescribe to alcoholics to discourage them from drinking. Colloquially, they call it anti anti booze, and it blocks uh-huh. that enzyme. So the alcohol or the ethanol stays as acetyl uh, acetyl acid, no acetyl acetaldehyde, yep. which is the part that gives you the kind of hangover effects. So a person who drinks alcohol. Can't metabolize the the ethanol into the energy and just feels perpetually like they're in a hangover.
3: Yeah. Well, interestingly, so you need two enzymes to produce ethanol, goes to acetylaldehyde, acetylaldehyde goes to acetyl CoA, and then acetyl CoA ultimately turns into carbon dioxide and water. And so, what your liver does really well is turns alcohol into carbon dioxide and water. And we know that we breathe out carbon dioxide and we utilize water, you know, we're 65% water. Now, you need two enzymes to do this process. We spoke about the first one, which is alcohol dehydrogenase. Then you need another one called uh, acetylaldehyde acetaldehyde dehydrogenase. And there is, I think it's around about 40% of the Asian population. So this is including uh, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Korean they have a different type of that enzyme and they can't metabolize it very well. And so what they... Bo- and I'm talking about the the acetaldehyde mm. enzyme, dehydrogenase enzyme. So... What this means is they can turn ethanol into acetylaldehyde, but they can't turn it into that nice acetyl-CoA that we ultimately want. And what they end up getting is obviously exactly what you said. That drug. Is the sickening effects of alcohol. It makes you flushed, makes you hot. You know, you look red. um, You feel like vomiting. It gives you that nasty hangover. And so this is one of the reasons why uh, a percentage of the Asian population can't handle alcohol because of that enzyme.
1: So they don't necessarily get drunker they just feel worse for it
2: that's
3: right they just feel worse so they're not
2: into it which is like why they probably don't drink. pride it. themselves on it like we pride ourselves on it so drinking is I, a. I big blame
1: part. i blame the brits for that 100 percent because they were drinking <laughs> they were drinking ale at as four-year-olds thing good point yeah good point
2: uh, uh, as a fellow Amer- as an american i can tell you i have no problem also blaming the british <laughs> so we're, we're good we're good there now do you guys have the like keto craze over there like we have here?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and keto like ketones, ketones are produced from acetyl-CoA. You just snap a that's couple- That's what of, I was
2: curious that's about. Yeah. That's what I was curious about. It's like basically it's like it's the first diet to be like, and here's what you're drinking. Because every other diet was like, you know, chill out with the drinking. Yeah. It was the first diet to come along like, okay, we know you want to drink. You're gonna eat meat and you're gonna drink alcohol, so <laughs> and you're
0: so, like, "All oh, right, all right." So this, <laughs> this is the okay. thin
2: days. Here I come.
3: <laughs> Dumpster time. Uh, <laughs> so we, um, so when you, okay, so when you look at uh, ketones, right? So yeah, our brain only wants to use glucose for energy, and so glucose is the most simplest sugar that we use. We break glucose into ultimately acetyl CoA, and then acetyl CoA jumps into this little cycle to produce a whole bunch of energy. Now, what happens here is when you starve yourself of glucose or sugar, which keto proponents will do, they don't eat carbs, right? Don't eat carbs or sugar. Right. The brain, which only wants sugar, says, I need some sugar. What the hell's going on? And it, Tries to find as many ways as possible to produce sugar from what you're already storing in the body. So, mainly fats. Like, got all like these Keopatra
1: fats. needs eyeshadow. Correct.
3: Exactly right. The same exactly way. Exactly you...
1: what I was thinking. <laughs> 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 but, so but the liver does this, right?
3: The liver does this. Yeah. So, the liver has stores of fat, and obviously adipose tissue of the body has stores of fat, for example. And it will try and take fatty acids and throw it into that cycle to try and Reverse engineer glucose so the brain can use it for energy. But the problem here is that the cycle backs up, backs up, and backs up. And you start to produce all this acetyl CoA, and the acetyl CoA can't go backwards into this glucose. And it's going, What can I do? I am going to click myself together and produce a new product called Ketone Bodies. So this is acetyl. There's like,
1: it's like four of those, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, that's right. So uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetone are the two primary ketone bodies that are produced. They can travel to the brain and then turn back into glucose for energy and the brain goes, great. So all ketogenesis is, is a roundabout way to produce more glucose and the whole point of what they're doing is to try and limit glucose. So it's... And no. b- but As- what it's doing is breaking fats down to produce that glucose. Hence, why they
0: use it, it makes for fat, fat the fats. fuel for, for sugar. Okay, exactly mm. right.
1: And acetone is like nail polish remover, yeah, which you may know Matt um, <laughs> from your nail painting. Yeah. Um, but also, this is possibly why. And, and this same process occurs for diabetics, particularly type one diabetics, when they uh, don't have any insulin. And one of the symptoms of a diabetic going into a ketogenesis or Ketoacidosis state is their breath smells like uh, either rotten fruit or acetone, and that's because of all this ketone. Oh and, wow! And interestingly, um, the ketones can act will be blown out through your breath, and it could give a negative reading on the blood alcohol. What are they called? Positive it? reading. A positive reading yeah. of the on the breathalyzer. Breathalyzer. Yeah. So, so in America, do you have a breathalyzer for? Yes. The, yeah. Well, so so how come every time I watch cops,
3: break? every time I watch cops, they make them walk the line? Is that just so they can laugh? It,
1: there's
2: both, uh, you know, it's like, it's, you know, we have metric and imperial measurements. We like to do weird things here. So we have, uh, we have, we have field sobriety tests because yeah. it's like, I'm a cop. I can do my job. I can see it. Gotcha. I can see it from a mile away. <laughs> it's like money ball versus the guys who are like old baseball, right? There's <laughs> the guys who just know a good pitcher when they see one, and they are guys that just nice. know how to do things, X's and O's. We always like to have both. You know, the eye of the person in charge and, and actual statistics. So you can uh, say no. You can refuse a breathalyzer uh, and what, then what try about to pass the a line? field you, sobriety test.
1: Can you re- uh, refuse the walk in the line?
2: You tend to basically not be able to ref- refuse both.
3: <laughs> okay. That's when, <laughs> yeah, that's
2: when you get taken in.
1: Yeah, uh, it's when you get taken in.
2: And what you can do is <laughs> refuse the breathalyzer, take, walk the line, knowing you not, may not walk it that well, but... It's going to take a while for them to arrest you, book you, take you down to the station, ah, and to do force the Force you to have a breathalyzer, so you are hoping time is on your side. Yeah. Uh, between the time you get taken down to whatever.
3: Uh, and even though you are saying this, you don't condone anybody doing this. Obviously, <laughs> no, no, drink, no. drink driving is not something we condone
2: <laughs> in the game of avoiding a DUI. Yes, that's
3: how the game is played. Yes, that's I'm how, how others play about, the game. I am just talking about the sport. <laughs> so, so I think so with that with that point because obviously. Alcohol. When you uh, take alcohol, you produce acetyl uh, acetyl CoA, which can be turned into ketones. It's it's basically what Matt's highlighting is that diabetics who have sugar in their body, but the cells of their body can't access the sugar because insulin is the key to open the doors of the cells for sugar to come in for it to be used. The brain thinks there is no sugar, and so the brain starts to break down the fats to produce the ketones. This is what happens. Or the liver. So the liver breaks down the the fats that produce the ketones. And because ketones are made of acetyl-CoA, and acetyl-CoA is what's being breathed out on a breathalyzer, it has the same chemical substrate. And that's why it gives the false positive reading for some diabetics who aren't managing their diabetes through insulin. So they may... And the thing is this, you get them out to do the field sobriety test... A diabetic who's not managing through insulin may look drunk, yeah. right? So they will be right. wobbly. They won't. They won't be very. They won't be too conscious, um, and their breath will smell like somebody who's drunk alcohol, particularly on the breathalyzer. Uh, so that's quite interesting. And I don't think in the in the game, that's a of, tough
2: day. Tough day for a diabetic. It
3: is a tough day, and I don't think that in the game of um, uh, drink driving, like you were talking about before, hypothetically, that you could use the excuse that I'm just a diabetic who hasn't managed my my insulin Yeah, I feel
2: like either way, they want you off the road in that scenario. <laughs> Agreed. Right? Like, I think, yeah, yeah, I feel like they're... I feel like you're talking about two different things, but the cops still talking about the same thing.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. we that just guy don't want shouldn't people. be driving. Exactly. That's <laughs> exactly right. Or
1: you could just say you've just been doing your nails.
3: That's true. But it doesn't... Yeah. Oh, I suppose that's why you're not driving very well, you know? Too, painting <laughs> Sorry, nails, I've
2: been trying to lick nail polish off of my Yeah, you just <laughs>
3: you quickly scale the bottle just before you open the window to do the test. Probably not probably not the smartest thing to do. Now, no, no. what is so in Australia the blood alcohol limit is uh, gonna... 0.05%. So what oh, wow. is it in Vegas? Uh, 0.08. Okay, Okay, so 0.08 would be close to three standard drinks a little right. bit under three standard drinks is that right yeah it's
2: under three is basically the kind of thing and then basically it basically used to be one one oh yeah and then um it used to be one our, oh wow yeah wow and then they went down to point oh eight to lower it uh and to basically uh it's the, you know there's no federal in federal guidelines but in order to uh, basically the federal government bribes states to all go to the same level uh-huh. to get a bunch of funding for their roads and things like that. Uh, and that's how So all, the, all the states are 0.08? Point,
1: point yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. All the states are basically point zero 0.08, yeah.
3: So when we... Okay, so in that case, when we think about how much alcohol or ethanol or pure ethanol is within a, a standard drink, it's about 10 grams of pure ethanol in one standard drink. So that's like a... So in Australia, we call a can a stubby. No, I think a stubby okay. is a little bottle. Oh, sorry, stubby the bottle, right? And then we've got, we got a tinny is the can. <laughs> My bad. Okay. Which is about 385 mils. It's All- also
2: a small boat. Tin- tinny and stubby is a cop drama here in the States. So, uh, <laughs> But you, you call those beers. They're okay, also
3: very
1: short shorts. Stubbies,
3: stubbies, yeah. So in Australia, what you'll find is that elderly gentlemen, for some reason, wear shorts that barely hide their genitalia, and so yeah. they're called stubbies. They're very short shorts, uh, and they're usually they're usually blue in colour and they're sun sun damaged, right? I, I think
1: th- I think also tradies wear them. Do you call them tradies like tradespersons in they're America? You call them tradies.
3: I think uh,
1: no. I think in Australia we, we shorten everything. Yeah, we and ruin add, everything, and, don't and we? Add O's to
3: it. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so with our drinks we've got okay, you got the you got the tinny, which is the can, about three hundred and eighty five mils. You've got a stubby, which is I can't even think well, about six hundred mils, probably a bit under. Stubby. Yeah.
1: No, it's like two hundred and something mils. Is it less than a tinny? Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty small.
3: Okay. And then if you go to the pub, you can ask for a, a pot, a schooner, or a pint. And so a pot's the smallest, which is about a tinny. Okay. Uh, a schooner is probably a little bit more than a stubby. I think it's like 600 mils,
0: And then a pint is like two beers. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you guys have pints, right? We have pints and then people are like, sometimes
2: you Jugs. at the bar they're like, just give me half a beer or whatever. Oh. And you kind of have like a Collins glass and you'll do a beer for people sometimes. But uh, yeah, for some reason in America, we won't really go less than a pint. We have 12 ounce cans.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Tinnies. And then there used to be little beers called ponies. Ah, uh, I like that. But then. I still don't. We still don't really see that anymore either. We basically. I think like, of those?
1: Like seven ounces. You will have
2: yeah. The ponies are about seven ounces, and then Same uh, the stomach. regular can is twelve ounces, and a pint sixteen ounces here. Unless you want imperial pint, which is eighteen ounces. With proper Guinness glass is eighteen ounces.
3: Wow. So yeah, we've yeah pots, schooners pints that's pretty much how if we go to the pub that's what we're asking for it's like yeah get one of those three pints the biggest pots the smallest uh, this
2: is good to know i want to because i want to go back to australia and it's good to know that i can order smaller quantities of beer but yeah, and you shouldn't this. like
1: if you come down order a pony because they'll, they'll
0: yeah be a, you'll get small <laughs> small horse.
1: listen if i order a pony a pony and they give
2: me an actual pony i'm having the best time in australia <laughs> yeah,
3: say,
0: it, it <laughs> sounded like the white russian <laughs>
2: joke
3: too didn't it <laughs> I love a pony and a weight rug. <laughs> what a <laughs> night! <laughs> um, okay, so 0.08 over there. So 10 milligrams of pure alcohol in a standard drink. So a standard drink would be a tinny. Um, it would be a nip of alcohol, a nip of whiskey, for example, a shot. or a shot, or well, I think a shot. See, a shot in Australia is regulated. A shot over in America, as I found out one of my visits, could be like a pint, depending on the it's bartender. It's really,
2: yeah, it's, it's really not regulated. I mean, uh, it's generally considered an ounce and a half. Yeah. Uh, is considered a shot. Uh, but I, I know for a fact that a typical shot glass can hold um, two ounces. If you go, basically, like you can hold a, there's a little line. If you go mm. above the line, it holds an additional half an ounce from the line to the rim. Uh, it's like an optical illusion. It seems like it's just a little bit more, <laughs> and it actually is. Uh, roughly a quarter of what's left in the glass, <laughs> and then a lot of popular bars will serve things in rocks glasses, which that's what you're talking about. It can go anywhere from two to three ounces, four ounces. It's oh just, god! If a guy's just shaking it all up and pouring it across glasses back and forth, yeah, I might just fill them up. So we yeah. don't
3: we don't have that here. We they're, they're very strict in their sh- which is about thirty mils. I don't know what that would be in ounces, but I think thirty mils would be one standard drink, and that's what they do. Okay, and then well, what? yeah,
2: because culture, the whole thing is like the bartender's the guy who's like starting the party here. It's yeah. not like keeping things regulated and stuff like that. It's it would be considered to be at a boring
3: bar. Yeah, Never well, even we don't get we don't do tips here, right? So your bartender right. by giving you know you give him a tip, you get more give 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 alcohol and vice versa. Our bartenders really don't care. They they want you out so they can go home. That's
2: it. We uh, Americans love turning anything into an exchange and a currency. (laughs) We like that. We like that with statistics and sports. We like it with whatever. I heard uh, an Australian making fun of Americans because of sick days. Like, why could you have an amount of days that you're allowed to be sick? And it's like the answer is because we like to turn into a currency. (laughs) I wasn't sick for 11 days. I like to get paid for that. Like we love if we can turn something into something that can be traded and bought and increased in value. We love it.
3: The land of capital. Capitalism, right?
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true.
3: So that's probably how we how we break down um, one standard drink. And so over here,
0: basically, that's it's ten grams
3: of ethanol. Ten in, grams in the drink. of ethanol in the drink. So twenty grams. So two st- standard drinks would probably get a male of my size, seventy kilos, to 0.05. And we can metabolize one standard drink per hour. Right. So,
1: so to keep in the legal limit in Australia, you can have two drinks, standard drinks, in the first hour, and yep. then a standard drink every hour
3: subsequent to that. Yes, that's for males predominantly, and then females will metabolize differently because. So, if so, interestingly, careful how you word this, Michael. Alcohol is very good at um, being absorbed across tissues, but it doesn't want to get absorbed into fatty tissue. And so, fat distribution of an individual matters when it comes to uh, alcohol tolerance and how much alcohol is in the system and how drunk somebody may get. So, interestingly, the, more, the greater the body fat, the more that alcohol will stay in the blood and will be more likely to get to the brain and have negative effects and increase your blood alcohol reading. So, if you were to get, take two individuals, both 100 kilos, but one was obese... And the other one was a bodybuilder, for example. The bodybuilder would be able to, they would have a lower blood alcohol reading and probably be less drunk, subjectively, compared to the 100 kilo person with a larger body fat. Wait a minute.
2: This is news to me. Yeah, I always thought
0: just weight was weight, body weight was weight. I didn't know obesity and stuff had to do with this at all. Alcohol hates fat and will not jump into the fatty tissue. So the more that somebody has,
3: it just. Listen, someone who worked in an Irish tavern for
2: eight years, (laughs) I can tell you that fat does not feel the same way about
0: alcohol.
2: (laughs) 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 As someone who served cheeseburgers and wings and beer and booze, well, I tell you right now. But Fat loves alcohol.
3: That's okay, so let me tell you why. So I'm gonna tell you the <laughs> metabolic process here because and hopefully I explain this well enough. You tell me if it doesn't make sense. So okay. when you need to metabolize alcohol into acetylaldehyde and then into acetyl-CoA, you not just need those enzymes, but you need a molecule that can accept the transfer of energy every time you do this process. And this molecule is called NAD. Now, what okay. happens is when you turn ethanol into acetyl aldehyde, you also turn NAD into something called NADH. And then when you turn... Which has
1: just got a hydrogen added to it, right? Yeah,
3: just added a hydrogen to it. And then when you turn acetyl into acetyl CoA, so that can be turned into carbon dioxide and water, you turn another molecule of NAD into NADH. So this just keeps happening when you metabolize alcohol. So what effectively happens is your levels of NAD drop because you're using it and your levels of NADH increase because you're producing it. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so when you need to make energy from sugar like glucose, you actually need the opposite. You need high NAD and low NADH. Now, the same thing happens when you want to turn fat into energy. So anytime you want to burn sugar or burn fat, you need high NAD and low NADH. But when you drink alcohol, it's flipped. So you can't utilize sugar for energy. So your brain effectively thinks it's starving itself when when this happens. Now, this is the reason why you want to go out for a kebab at 2 a.m. after drinking because your brain thinks it's starving. It's going, I've got no sugar, I've got no fats. I need food. Or buffalo wings. Or buffalo wings. And you go out and you get it because your brain's going, I'm starving. But here's the problem. You take in the glucose or sugar and you take in the fats and you still can't metabolize it because the the, the seesaw or teeter-totter or whatever it may be is flipped around. And interestingly, when you take in fats to store them, what you need is high NADH and low NAD, which is exactly the environment that you're in from drinking alcohol. So you're more likely to store fats when you drink and less likely to burn sugar and fats. So this is one of the reasons why alcoholics get fatty livers is because a lot of this is happening in the liver. And so it's not using energy. It's just storing it as fats in that liver. Does that make sense? It does. Cool.
2: I mean, I've, I, I, I have someone who's, who's made it this far. <laughs> uh, uh, I've known for a while that eating after drinking was just not the way to go. No, that I, I, I definitely noticed the weight increase and also never feeling like this. This is not. And basically, you also are trying to like sober up, right? And so the whole like eating before you drink thing. I always said like if you're trying to eat after you're already starting to feel buzzed, it's too late. Yep, Do too not late. take the, <laughs> the 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 that path.
3: That's right, and because you're um, inebriated, your inhibitions have obviously gone down and you're more likely to ingest more calories as well so you're not just more hungry. That's that's definitely true for me. I know for
2: a fact I did not lower my standard for who I was attracted to but I did lower my standard for what I found delicious.
3: (laughs) What foods you're attracted to.
2: I just willing to go into places that I would never buy food from sober to be like, this is going to be delicious. This sandwich from this gas station is where it's at. <laughs> Yeah,
3: look at this sushi in this gas station. <laughs> My God, you look appetizing. I've never seen 10-day-old salmon look so good.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm exactly. going to quickly just read out a table that has um, what effects in the body to the different blood alcohol concentrations. And okay. I'll, I'll just read the numbers and... Matt, if you want to guesstimate what kind of symptoms you might expect to see. Okay. So if you were at 0.02 to 0.04 blood alcohol concentration, uh, what kind of things would you expect to see at this level?
2: Uh, what, like slower reflexes or some kind of like slower motor skill?
1: Yeah, not yet, apparently. Um, uh, apparently For you. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might start to feel a bit euphoric and your, okay. your shyness will start to diminish.
3: There you go, Matt. Your shyness will go. I didn't know you had any, but it's going to disappear.
1: Maybe that's why I just blazed through that step either way.
2: (laughs) So, okay, good to know. All right, moving on. (laughs) 0.04
1: to 0.06. Okay. Uh, Speech? Anything with speech? Still not quite yet. We're getting close to that, though. You're feeling more relaxed and you actually feel warm. And this is probably why people used to think having some alcohol keeps you... um, you know, ski Lodge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. What were the, yeah. What are the dogs
3: that have the St. Bernard's that have the little rum around their neck?
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, a little barrel.
2: Was that yeah, a real yeah. thing?
3: Did they actually have that? Yeah. They had to have, right? They had to have come
2: from something. It is based in truth, yeah. I don't think it's still common
1: practice, but it was based <laughs> in truth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, relaxation, warmth, and a decrease in inhibitions.
2: Now they use drones. Drones carry the barrels <laughs> of alcohol around the ski stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so now we go up to point one. So this was once Americans' legal limit. This is once like, hey, oh, yeah. that I can still drive. Yeah. All right, let's see. What, what is it? What kind of things here do you think? This has to be motor skill and speech function. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's speech is going, reaction times going, balance is going. So probably yeah. good not to drive. Yeah, definitely keep off the roads there. Now yeah. up to yeah. between point one and point two. Point
2: one and point two. I'm trying to think because I I know from my days where i was basically there's times where i lived in new york where there's nowhere near any automobile and that was probably where i really gave myself full license to to really just (laughs) go for it (laughs) um and i would say like that's where i would get like either uh paranoid or anxious or something like that like for example i would think that the bartender was watering down my drinks on purpose (laughs) And then I didn't realize, like, no, buddy, it's that you're so drunk you can't taste that this is alcoholic anymore. Wow! Uh, and that was like really bad news. I imagine that's probably above point one at that point.
3: <laughs> I think it sounds like it. Where where does uh, paranoia come into play?
1: Um, probably almost now. So we go point one to point two, and so the euphoria starts to move to dysphoria, which there, is there you you're really starting yeah, to feel yeah, yeah. terribly.
2: And that's also the term, like when you know as a bartender to cut someone off, right? Yeah. Mm. Someone went from having a good time to Which all of a sudden is being a little, this a little is actually, chippy about stuff. And you're like, okay, I think, you've, I think the fun's stopping, and why don't you call it a night?
1: Yeah. Also in Australia, a chippy is a uh, carpenter. So <laughs> again, probably don't use that term because <laughs> then you are No, ch- that's what I'm talking about
2: they would start trying to redo the carpenter <laughs> on the bar. And
1: they'd be like, all right, you've clearly had enough.
0: Get out of here, chippy. <laughs> <laughs> this carpet was already fantastic.
1: <laughs> Which um at point two, apparently, this is where you start to get the appearance of a drunk. So that's that's quite good that you
3: recognize uh, that you yeah. you're on the ball. Yeah, you're
0: subject. You're a, yeah, yeah. You're a good bartender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All
2: right, point two to point four. I'll tell you another quick fun story. Is that as a bartender, I remember I finally got a job bartending in New York, and again, New York City, no one's driving anywhere. So my old instincts in, for, for bartending where I bartended in New Jersey, a suburb where people did drive, I was trying to cut people off and the managers were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, he's got to stop. He's not, this is getting bad. And he's like, we're not, no, wow. he comes in all the time. He'll stop when he wants to stop. And I was like, oh, and I basically got fired for wanting to cut people off at this bar I worked at in, in the middle of New York.
3: And you were just being careful about their health.
1: Yeah. Wow. And that's just the that was just the normal behavior of people from New York. Sober, yeah,
3: sober. Well, I guess like when
2: you, it turns out like just the operation of an automobile was like the only standard we ever kept. Yeah. As, Can as, you drive as, a, as a that? health as an idea of health for serving people was whether they're going to operate an automobile and that's it. God, so yeah, strange. That's,
3: it's well. I mean, once you okay, I'll tell you what the what the highest recorded blood alcohol limit is. Once you finish, yeah, we're almost there. Once you get so, once top. you get to
1: point four, this is where you need assistance to walk. Um, you're completely confused, uh, and your consciousness levels will start to drop. And interestingly, temperature regulation is now diminished. So this is wouldn't be. This is the reason why drinking alcohol to keep warm would be disadvantageous. Moving on to sl- anything above point four now. What do you think,
3: uh, Matt? Uh, death, maybe. I mean,
2: I was gonna say like yeah, like. Uh, what kind of motor skill? I mean, I'm trying to think of something. That you start to have to, you have to go to the hospital, get your stomach pumped, right? Yeah, probably. I'd say so you're right.
1: We go towards a coma, respiratory well, arrest, and then to the back end, death. But interestingly, this is kind of the same as uh, a general anesthesia. Um, when you go into a, a general anesthetic, not only do you um, get this... Um, reaction to vomit. So your body your stomach wants to throw all its contents up. This is why we don't eat before surgery. But at the same time, you get diminished reflexes. And in this case it's a the gag reflex. And so as the vomit's coming up, it will you're not going to choke or cough it out. So it goes straight into your lungs, you aspirate and die. And so Ooh. similar to Oh this, so when people talk level. about like
2: they've died of vomiting in their sleep. Yeah, this is what that's we're right. talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: apparently a lot of um, college students die from this. Well, I can say a lot, but if they were to die from alcohol poisoning, it's a number
3: which is too much. Yeah, yeah. So you said anything above point four, it's not not good. Yeah, All for right. a
1: person who's not accustomed to drinking alcohol,
3: and we'll talk about we'll talk about alcoholics and alcoholism and withdrawal in a second. But the highest recorded blood alcohol reading was a man in Poland who, after a car crash. His blood alcohol reading was one point four eight percent, so that means he had around about one point five grams of pure alcohol in every hundred mils of his blood, which oh is oh my gosh, yeah. So that's thirty times our legal limit in Australia. Wow, which is which is probably f- close to fifty standard drinks.
0: I think. <laughs> I mean, how is me that wrong. even possible?
2: Like, yeah, I remember you know joking with friends where they did like a they all got like a case of beer and like they were drink all 24 of these kind of thing mm. uh, for the weekend kind of that's the plan yeah I mean I can't imagine like it's crazy to me that as, uh, as as evolved species that have made it this far that we have the ability to override all of these systems by sheer will to make what you just described happen
3: yeah yeah it's it's well when you look it is madness and and when you look at alcoholics so when we so what we've been talking about so far is pretty much somebody who you know goes out on the weekend has drinks and then maybe monday to friday they have probably one to two drinks a night right that's sort of where we're sitting at but when there's people who drink to excess whatever that may mean uh every night and uh, they might be termed alcoholics what you'll find is that they're body particularly their brain is really good at balancing out the changes that occur so there's actually neurological there's anatomical and physiological changes that happen to the brain when somebody drinks so we've got dozens of neurotransmitters that tell things to excite and tell things to inhibit when we talk about our neurons and so forth but there's two really important ones one called GABA which suppresses everything and one called glutamate which activates everything and when you drink alcohol, it boosts up GABA, so the suppressor, and that's and,
1: why it's called a depressant. Depressant.
3: Yeah, that's why alcohol is a depressant, and it suppresses okay. glutamate, the the excite, the basically the excitatory transmitter. And so, what that means is, when you boost up GABA, this is why you get relaxed. This is why you get intoxicated. When you drop down glutamate, this is why you get amnesia and anesthesia associated with with drinking alcohol. But if somebody's now. In the short term, the acute stage, this is what happens. You have the effects, you stop drinking, and it goes back. The balance of the neurotransmitters go back to relative normality. But if you're drinking long term, you're constantly boosting GABA and constantly suppressing glutamate, and the brain doesn't like this. So it tries to do whatever it can to try and balance it back out again. So what it does is it finds the receptors for each of those. And because GABA, the neurotransmitter, the chemical, is being released at such high numbers it just drops down how many receptors are being expressed. So that basically, it's like saying you've got 1,000 keys and instead of having 1,000 doors, we're just going to drop the doors down to 50 doors. So even though you have got heaps of keys, it's only going to open fewer doors. So that's how it drops that GABA down. And it does the same for glutamate. Even though glutamate's low, it increases the amount of doors available for the key and therefore you're more likely... To utilize glutamate. And then it balances itself out. This is what happens with alcoholics. And so this is alcoholism. It's all balanced out while they're drinking. Then, when they stop drinking and withdraw, this seesaw of withdrawal occurs. And because now you've downregulated GABA and upregulated glutamate, it flips in the opposite direction. You now have too much glutamate stimulating the brain and not enough GABA and this is why and because glutamate's excitatory this is why when alcoholics withdraw they have seizures yeah. because it's exciting the whole brain it's going boom, 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 boom so they have seizures um, they've got anxiety heart, They heart rate
1: goes up blood heart rate goes
3: up, up yeah. all that type of stuff and so this is why uh, wow. Alcoholics, once they withdraw, it's it's probably likely that when they do it in a, a, a safe environment, they may be prescribed things like benzodiazepines because it helps sort of like bring val- that, like Valium, like which it, is also
1: yeah. uh, an activator of that GABA.
3: Yeah, so it sort of just brings it back closer to how it was while they were drinking, but without being drunk, for example.
2: What a, I mean, that is crazy, and also what a crazy thing to figure out. Yeah, uh, and the crazy thing to figure out how to medicate. I mean, that's just a, that's just.
3: Wow. Yeah, it's insane. So, so that's why they say for alcoholics, you know, when, when withdrawing, you know, you, get, you need a professional, you do it in a safe environment, you know, all that type yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, that, that's what they're referring to because of the neurotransmitter changes. It's, it's yeah, it can be uh, deadly, it can be deadly for them, Yeah, depending on the individual. Gents,
2: I might have to wrap it up here on this high note that we just hit.
3: That's fine. <laughs> Maddie, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Matt's got to head off. We're going to finish the podcast. With ourselves, but it's been such a joy to have you. Uh, yeah, it's just it's been great. And like I said, I'm fanboying, so I loved having a chat with you, Maddie. You're welcome back on our podcast anytime. And uh, every- yeah, I
2: mean, and if you think there's any other disorder that might directly attack me like this one, let's have me back on. Let's. Do we'll it. think
3: of the worst diseases we can, and we'll give you a call.
2: Everybody, yeah, please. We do. Uh, just, obesity next, narcissism, <laughs> whichever one, yeah, whichever one you're taking next, just let me know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll run right over.
2: <laughs>
3: so I think everybody should... so. Everybody needs to download Matt and Manley's Ice Cream Social. It's hilarious. It's ludicrous. It's funny. It's silly. It's just, like I said, it's my favorite comedy podcast. Everybody should be downloading it and listening to it. And we have a ton
2: of Aussie listeners. We love our Aussie listeners.
3: You do. You've got a great community, which I'm happy to be a part of. And I've made a number of friends simply through what we call the Hay Scoops community. And it's just good people. Uh, And Matt's also a magician. And are you doing, are you doing um, Zoom shows? Can people book I am, yes. you? I uh, yes.
2: Yeah. In fact, if you go to aneveningofmagic.com, aneveningofmagic.com, you can see upcoming up uh, Zoom shows that we're doing there. I'll be part of a, a three magician lineup uh, doing shows over Zoom. Love to have you.
3: Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We'll speak soon. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, mate. Bye. So Matt was great to have on. He was... A lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And look, listeners, I hope you realise... It's good to have a funny man on here for once.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
3: <laughs> that's so true. And look, we, we had a comedian on and I know that some of the content that we're talking about here with alcohol is serious. Yeah. But hopefully we can make some of the content lighthearted and I hope again you realise that we're just trying to make... Um, Some of the difficult content, enjoyable. But please don't think that we're making light of any serious addictions like alcoholism or the fact that uh, people drink and there is uh, serious health consequences associated with that. Um, It is serious, but it is great to have Matt on Mm. as a comedian and a magician and he's just a very comfortable bloke to talk to. He was lovely. So where should we finish this off, Matty? I I think Um, we should... um,
1: We've done... A lot of the kinetics so we've done the absorption we've yep. done the metabolism uh the only other thing or, or we're we're going about in, hangovers we're going into the, we're going into the effect Oops, i'll just move the cord hopefully that's working um we were starting to talk about the effects on the body right yes um and we touched upon how the f- the liver becomes fatty which is steatosis i think they call it yeah fatty liver um other there's other ways that the liver becomes damaged that moves into what we call cirrhosis. Yeah, and I think the intermediate phase between a fatty liver, because this is where the doctors would say if they have suspicion that you had a fatty liver, which would be possibly through, um, maybe not processing sugar as well, mm. as in like you might you might have problems with regulating blood sugar, but also your liver enzymes might be um disordered or out of range
3: because you can have alcoholic. Uh, alcohol based fatty liver disease and you can have non alcoholic yeah, yeah yeah
1: and so they would want to try to investigate what the cause of it, of it is now if it doesn't be if it's not rectified it would then move into like a hepatitis form which is based on an alcohol uh, induced hepatitis hepatitis inflammation, is inflammation. Yeah. now some of the some of the ways that, that happens was as you specified with the uh, NADH being in excess there's also the byproducts of metabolizing the ethanol in the in the liver causes the formation of adducts, which is kind of other macromolecules and enzymes that can join the, the byproduct, which then kind of causes a hypersensitivity in the liver, like an, oh, infl- okay. in, an inflammation. Yeah, brings in the immune system and that causes inflammation. Yep. But another in- interesting thing was that chronic exposure to ethanol in the bowel... As we know, in the bowel, particularly the large bowel, we have a lot of bacteria, mm. and there is the negative, the gram-negative bacteria, which have intrinsically in their membrane a, a lipopolysaccharide,
3: part of the cell wall, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's the membrane, not the wall, but I could be wrong. Um, what What happens is when these bacteria are destroyed, they re- release this
3: endotoxin,
1: okay, mm. which becomes highly reactive in our body. And can elicit a serious immune response. So
3: lipopolysaccharide, also known as LPS, that's an endotoxin. Yes, that's okay, right. Okay, because right. it's
1: intrinsic to the the bacteria itself, whereas an exotoxin, the the, the bacteria gotcha. secretes it outwards.
3: Gotcha. Okay. So so, so, so alcohol does will release chronically, this LPS chronically. And so that is a, a pro-inflammatory yes, chemical. Yes, so the
1: LPS then gets absorbed in your bowel, into your blood, and as we know, any blood that's absorbed in across your intestines, the first stop is your liver. So your liver, your liver then starts to get bombarded with LPS, oh. and that causes for further inflammation. inflammation.
3: Can I tell you what can further damage the liver in this process? So, uh, particularly with alcoholics. So, while I said you know there's that pathway of metabolism, ethanol, acetylaldehyde off to uh, acetyl CoA, and then carbon dioxide and water, using those enzymes, alcohol dehydrogenase and acetaldehyde dehydrogenase. There's another pathway that we can use to metabolize alcohol. And this is... Alcoholics probably use this one primarily. And this is the SIP or the, the cytochrome P450 family pathway. Okay. And w- what SIPs do is they're part of what we call the xenobiotic metabolism. They're part of a detoxification pathway that the body has. And they detoxify anything that might be a threat to the body. So it could be alcohol, it could be other drugs, it could be things we ingest, whatever that may be. So... What can happen with alcoholics is they use this sip, and what it does is it turns ethanol again into acetaldehyde, mm. but in the process, it produces a whole bunch of reactive oxygen species.
1: Can you give me an example of one?
3: Uh, like um, you, you, hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, I was going say you used it to heat uh, hy- your hair once. Hydroxyl ion. Um, just uh, an oxide ion, yeah. so the superoxide. superoxide. So they're basically just uh, oxygen-based molecules that are reactive and unstable. Yeah. And so what they'll do is they'll travel around the body trying to find um, electrons and things to normalise them, yeah. uh, and that's why they're damaging. Okay. So the, the point I'm making is that you produce a whole bunch of these reactive oxygen species, particularly alcoholics, in the liver when you're metabolising because you have to hijack another pathway. To metabolize yeah. all the alcohol or ethanol that you're ingesting.
1: So now your liver is in a state of inflammation. Um, and as we know with chronic inflammation, um, the body tries to heal it. And one way of it doing that is laying down collagen. But also you yeah. activate a cell in the, the liver, I think called a stellate, stellate cell, which is a connective tissue cell, opposed to a Kupffer cell, which is a macrophage. Yeah, um, Which is probably part of the inflammatory phase of it. Mm. But then we move into a a chronic um, uh, connective tissue phase which you start laying down collagen in place of hepatocytes
3: so scar tissue
1: scar tissue so your your so you saying liver starts to become cobblestoned with oh. with uh, uh, collagen
3: so and it starts with fatty deposition yeah. starts with a fatty liver and then the fatty liver moves off to an inflamed liver which then moves off to a scarred liver yeah.
1: and that's and so in latin i think a cobbled Liver is cirrhosis. Gotcha. And then it's liver failure. Cause, uh, wow. As you like, we could be, we could do like a literally multiple podcasts on the oh, function yeah. of the liver. Yeah. But now you lose that function. We've so. done
3: one podcast on the liver.
1: And so, <laughs> no, I, I just mean like the extent of all the things. Oh, that absolutely right. Absolutely. And so right. you'll start to see everything that liver does. You'll start to see dysfunctions in that space, like going yellow, mm. not being able to control uh, fluid balance. Uh, bleeding, coagular pathies, yep. etc. Wow. So that's. Uh, is there anything else? And then the, I guess we've kind of spoke about the um,
3: brain. Yeah, spoken uh, about the brain effects. Uh, we've spoken about how alcohol alters our metabolism. It was spoken about the direct effects on neurotransmitters. We've spoken about the effects that it has on inflammation of the stomach and the changes, the changes in metabolism. Uh, gut flora, we've spoken about just then, the direct damage to the liver. Now let's talk about what may happen to somebody the day after they drink. Oh, a hangover. And talk about a hangover. So uh, it would have been good to ask Matt whether he... Because a hangover was in Las Vegas. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, (laughs) And it would have been good to know whether... Well, one, uh, his worst hangover, so that we could go through the symptoms, not because, again, we condone it, but to know what the symptoms are, and we can talk about that, but also whether he has any... You know, home remedies, any cures, okay. so that we can dispel all of them, yeah. because basically none of them work. But when somebody gets a hangover, you know, next day they feel pretty horrid, tired, potentially anxious, bit depressed, dehydrated, nauseous, uh, nauseous, vomiting, yeah, potentially vomiting, bit of reflux, a um, uh, bit foggy. Um, all of these Drug are symptoms. Bogs. What's that?
1: I don't drink, so oh, but, 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 but you know the term. But back in my day, when I did drink, um, I think it's a either a, a very I unique, do remember people saying an form and after or whether it's to do with the consistency yeah. or the smell. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, look, uh, one of those probably to do more to do with the food that you consumed.
3: Uh, it could be, it could be the yeah. food you consumed, you consumed and also the direct effects of inflammation that the alcohol can have in the about? Intestines yeah. and the damage to the gut flora, mm-hmm. so probably a, a, a culmination of all those. So let's talk about what causes the hangover. Um, we don't really know. That's the first thing we should say. But we—it's well, good assumptions. The good assumptions that it's a multitude of things. Yeah, yeah. One, it's the acetaldehyde. Okay, that so the that ethanol. It's just a ultimate.
1: direct irritant.
3: Yeah, acetaldehyde is not a great thing, particularly in the quantity that you produce from drinking alcohol. Okay. Um, it does damage tissues. Um, it can lead to inflammation like we've spoken about. Anything that causes inflammation is going to make you feel not too great. Um, one, one thing we
1: did forget to mention with the an, an effect that the alcohol has on the brain is yeah. it has an effect in the hypothalamus pituitary gland oh, yes, to yes, impact yes. the release of ADH. Well, let me
3: talk about that last. There's breaking the seal because I, oh, I want to talk about the myth
1: This is part of the reason why you're dehydrated.
3: That's oh, all. okay. Go on. Yeah. Yep.
1: Oh. Uh, from, from my readings... Um, usually ADH is just a way of preserving water in our body and usually that would be switched on. But you say it's
3: antidiuretic hormone? Okay, antidiuretic hormone.
1: Yeah, oh, okay. antidiuretic hormone. yeah. Um, and Because you said ADH earlier know, for yeah, alcohol yeah, di- di- dehydrogenase. A different di- one, yeah. So this particular molecule which releases from the, hypoth- uh, the pituitary gland um, tries to conserve water, Right. Normally, but if you block it with um, alcohol, it doesn't produce this, so you expel excessive amounts of water out of the kidney. So this is why you probably urinate a lot. Yeah. Now, my understanding is the quantity of the water that you expel from the from your bladder is about three times the amount of whatever you ingested. So I guess if you had a, a can, you would – which is how much? About three,
3: 385
1: three, mils, I think. You would um, – urinate out about a litre.
3: 285 mils, sorry.
1: About a litre of fluid would come out of yes. your kidneys.
3: Only within the first two hours. Okay. Um, and, this
1: is, and I think this is the t- where the term, breaking the seal.
3: Yeah, I might as well talk about it now. So go for you it. Know, people think that you go to the pub, have a few drinks with some friends, and you say, Oh, well, if, I, if I go to the bathroom and do a wee now, I'm just going to be weeing all night. You know, I don't want to break the seal. Um, but what actually happens is there is, is, in a way, a seal to break because like you said, you drink X amount of alcohol and you the alcohol will inhibit antidiuretic hormone at the posterior pituitary. And like you said, antidiuretic stops you from peeing. So you're inhibiting... The diuretic is a, a peer. Yeah, you're inhibiting the inhibitor. So you're promoting peeing. Um, and because they found out in the 60s and 70s that alcohol resulted in more urine being produced and more dilute urine being produced. And so what they also found was that this effect happened within the first 60 minutes of drinking alcohol and waned after 90 minutes. And then the levels of ADH went back up to normal even if they kept drinking, it went back up to normal through the rest of the drinking period. So you basically will excrete large amounts of dilute urine within the first two hours. And then after that, you're just going to excrete as much urine as you would normally that's produce normal. from drinking that much fluid.
1: Because there is a lot of, like, particularly with beer, there is a lot of water in it. Yeah, like and think so about:
3: do you drink a full bottle of water every hour? Like somebody do. at the pub? Yeah, I probably do. But like somebody at the pub would probably do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so of course you're going to urinate so more
1: just by pure water volume as well.
3: But if you don't, so but because of the early stages of u- urinating far more liquid than you ingested you're setting yourself up to be in a state of dehydration, yeah. and that's, which is one of the main causes of a hangover. That's so right.
1: That was the point that I was getting to. Oh, you're long, smart. You A long, long way, A long way around. No, very good. And uh, the headache is yes. probably from the brain shrinking. The brain shrinking? Yeah, well. Um, Can yours get any
3: smaller? <laughs> that's the question we've the, all been asking. The brain
1: itself doesn't have pain receptors, all right. but its covering does, Yeah, which is the meninges. And some of the meninges is stuck. So your brain doesn't
3: feel pain, it just interprets it?
1: That's right, exactly. Wow. You're deep. Thanks. Now, the, the the brain is wrapped up in a like a glad wrap covering, which we call the meninges. Some of that meninges is stuck to the skull, okay, yep. and some of it is...
3: Ta- it's called the Duramata.
1: Yeah, and some of it's attached to the um, brain itself. It's called the mater. And so hopefully that they're in a nice close contact. But if the brain shrinks slightly because of the, the hydration status, it pulls apart from each other oh. and there's a lot of pain receptors in there and ah. that would give you that really kind of dull throbbing. Interesting. Possibly also with the the dilat, dilatation um, effect, not effect but um, status yeah. of your blood vessels around
3: in your brain at the time as well.
1: And that's why you get throbbing kind of oh, hangover good point. headaches.
3: Okay, so dehydration, definitely. Probably a change in ion levels. Um, yeah. One, because you're directly changing neurotransmitters which affect effectively uh, relies on ions and you're urinating out a lot more and particularly a lot more dilute urine. So that's going to change ion levels as well. So that changes a whole bunch of stuff within the body. Um, the We spoke about the acetylaldehyde. That's yeah. just quite a nasty thing. There's um, one big one. All right, let's see. We, we've changed the bacteria. We've promoted inflammation. What have I missed?
1: Uh, it's the type of alcohol that you consume. So there is... Oh. something called congeners, and you did talk to Matt about that. Yep. So apparently certain beverages that have a darker colour to it have a greater quantity of congeners. And, and these are
3: just byproducts, of, byproducts of the, yeah, of the fermentation process. That's right. All right.
1: And so when alcohol, some alcohol is distilled, um, you remove these um, – potentially you lose some of these congeners. So I think as you distill – I'm not saying this is 100% correct – but the distillation of some would maybe make it a more of a cleared... Yeah, like a like, clear, so,
3: like so the distillation process to produce vodka, which is a very clear fluid, very I would assume would be a greater distillation process than for rum, which is a dark, or a dark rum, for example. I mean, it's a different distillation or process. Or red wine. Mm. Um, which is probably not distilled at all. And so the congeners there just have what varying effects... So these yeah. are things like uh, acetone, methanol, um, acetylaldehyde is is a congener actually. Because um, it's part of the, the process, um, so and they're inter- just chemicals that can wreak havoc in in a multitude of ways.
1: Yeah, and in, interestingly, when we humans developed the, uh, the process of distillation, can you in twenty seconds just explain how that would be to, would have been done?
3: Distillation. Yeah. Well, you need to ferment, so you use the yeast. With sugar, yeah. no oxygen. So we've got, you let's just say ethanol. we've got something like wine. We've okay. got wine, yep. which okay. is natural. All right. so you How produce, do we then distill it? Well, you'd, it, My look, I, I would have to say this is a guess. Yeah. Um, you'd have to heat yeah. to a varying degree um, because when you heat something up, everything's got a different evaporation point. Excellent. And I know that alcohol has a lower evaporation point than water. Or or, ethan- or ethanol. Ethanol yeah. compared to other f- components. So I'd assume that, Everything would evaporate off at a different yeah. temperature, and so you could use varying tubes yeah. to take different things at different temperatures. Exactly. Uh, and therefore, you can isolate. And these are, the and these are
1: called heads. Like you, as you remove stuff off, it's it's calling cool removing the heads. Off. So I'm right. You're right. Oh, so it's basically it shoots off a like a bulb, like um, where all the fluid is, up to a, a tube, and, and that's as all called, the gas is going the up. as the gas is going up, yep. Then all that evaporated gas would then. Turned back into a fluid because it's cooled back down, and then that is the distillation product. Okay. And because the in when they first kind of discovered this, they termed this spirit, spirits, because it's the spirit of the alcohol, and so they the
3: body, the life, the life of it, the life force. And so this was significantly
1: stronger than the whole fermented product with the congeners and everything else in it. Interesting. And so this is initially. So was did they just
3: add back congeners then? Because congeners would be. I think that the yeah. Flavor? I think
1: they add then flavors and then they where they you know, uh, age, how strict I, they, they are. With they the age it and so forth. Yeah. Um. And this is I think initially, the spirits were used more medicinally and then humans then used obviously as a a drink and beverage.
3: Interesting. I like that.
1: Mm. Oh, sorry, it's a bit of a tangent. No, no. I was well, going to say that, it earlier, that, but I just. No, that's
3: it, good, and I think we sort of. We've covered hangover. Are there any cures for it? There's one cure: not drinking. Yeah, just don't drink. Just don't drink. And I think it's probably a good place to to end here is by saying that, like I mentioned earlier, um, there is not one safe, uh, there is no safe quantity of alcohol to consume.
1: That's recommended by
3: science. Correct. I mean, there is there are government recommendations on how many standard drinks somebody should or could consume and it's more than one mm. right which i think is strange because when you look at ill health effects one or more is going to promote ill health effects we know this like i said the 2018 lancet paper just demonstrated this so while while we have been light-hearted hopefully we've made you laugh a little bit and made you think at the same time hopefully you don't think that we are belittling uh, anybody or anyone uh, and I hope you don't think that we are trivializing a, a complex and difficult topic either, because we know that it it is serious. So, but we do hope that we did make you smile. Matt was great, I think. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I should have been specific, and we really hope that you listen to our next podcast, which is on something I can't don't even know. What are we doing? Do we know?
1: No. Should is this a time where you might? Mention that we are doing a, like a side podcast.
3: Oh, good. we haven't released it yet, so this is. But I think it's a good advertising. Right, well, look, if you've made it to an hour and thirty-eight <laughs> minutes, then or whatever it is. Let, let, let me just say, yeah,
1: of those one thirty-eight, it's only twenty-eight minutes of just you and I. So at least we can, we can blame Matt for this.
3: True. Um, I suppose that's what happens when you're a comedian; you go off track. But we do, we are making a side podcast, and this side podcast is a lot shorter. So it's good that we're mentioning the time frame here. So it's basically about the weird and wonderful things that our body does. So we go through things like farts and burps and hiccups and things like that and we yawning. talk yawning and we talk about it in a way that hopefully is, is enjoyable. we D- different format. Yeah, yeah it's we have a, a slightly different format. Yeah, yeah so the format is one of us comes in and actually doesn't even know what the topic is. And the other person's the only one who's prepared. So we have three segments within our new podcast. The segment's called Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Minutes because it only goes for around about 20 to 30 minutes. Um, The first part is called Off the Cuff. Off the Cuff is where the person who hasn't prepared has to say everything that they know about that topic, right? goes for one minute, boom, this is what I know. And then the next part is called Teach You a Lesson and this is where the person who's prepared talk about that topic and they tell us, they teach... the other person lesson, the other person asks questions. And then the last part is called Pop Quiz or Pop Pop Wants a Treat. And this is where the person who doesn't know the topic gets quizzed on what they've just learnt. So it's a good educational resource and it's a lot of where fun. Where do I
1: find this, Michael?
3: Well, it's, I haven't uploaded it yet, but it's going to be <laughs> so, on all good podcasts. So you won't find
1: it anywhere unless you have hacked Michael's computer.
3: Yes, don't hack my computer, please. And it's going to be on YouTube as well because we film all the video. I think we've filmed all the video for them. But I will let you know. You can contact me on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Mike Todorovic at D-R-M-I-K-E-T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C. And it's the same handle at Twitter if you want to come have a chat with me. Otherwise, you can send us an email, gubiosciences at gmail.com. That's G-U-B-I-O-S-C-I-E-N-C-E-S at gmail.com. If you sent us an email and I haven't responded to you, I'm sorry. We do get a lot of emails. But, Send us another email to remind me. Uh, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. iTunes. Uh, I don't know if you can give us a rating on Spotify, but do something that spreads the good word. Um, if you don't think we're worth five stars, uh, don't, don't worry about doing it. Don't give us, <laughs> don't give us any less than five. Uh, it's not good for us. But apart from that, thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon.